It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. All right. Welcome. Welcome back to Money for Lunch. I hope that you're enjoying your summer. Uh, kids are out of school. Uh, you know, Bedlam has, uh, what do you call it, come to the streets of the United States. Uh, when I say Bedlam, I guess I mean, you know, teenagers staying up till wee hours of the night, uh, but they make it up by sleeping in super late. And that is just part of our tradition. Uh, I'm a big fan of year-round school for several reasons, but that certainly is one of them. You know, there's several studies that say that when our kids are out of school for those, uh, uh, what do you call it, those three months or so, that uh, they lose a lot of what they had learned. Uh, when I say lose a lot, I think it's some reports say 30%. That's pretty significant. I mean, if you were losing 30% of your income, you'd probably do something about it. But and eh, this is just our kids' education, really. It's not that important. All right, I digress. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. I am humbly grateful for your support, um, sharing the episodes. Um, because of your support, we uh, – we were one of the very first show, if not the first show, um, to make it uh, to be syndicated on iHeartRadio as independent program. Uh, that was kind of a big deal, and that was large in part to you good people. We're currently uh, under consideration to be on um, Pandora, so stay tuned for that. All right, let's get started with the quote of the day. To create something exceptional, your mindset must be relentlessly focused on the smallest detail. Giorgio, Giorgio Armani, uh, the fashion guy, right? The fashion guy. I, I basically remember him from, I think he had some suits and uh, some colognes. Probably had all sorts of different wardrobes, but uh, or fashion um, accessories. But I just remember the suits and the cologne. So uh, to create something exceptional, your mindset must be relentlessly focused on the smallest detail attributed to Giorgio Armani. All right, let's get the party started today. On the show, we have the one, the only Grant Parr. Grant Parr is a mental sports performance coach and the author of The Next One Up Mindset, How to Prepare for the Unknown. Parr owns and runs Game Face Performance, a consulting firm that enhances mental skills for athletes and coaches, a recruiter and sales leader in the corporate world for over 17 years. He now works with a wide variety of athletes, including Olympians, professionals, collegiates, and high school athletes. His podcast, 90% Mental, provides a window into the broad range of athletes and coaches' mental games and shares their insights around mental performance. You can find out more about Grant and his team at GamePerformance.com. Grant Parr, welcome to Money for Lunch. 
Thank you so much. I'm very excited. Looking forward to our conversation. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I have to say, from a marketing standpoint of view, what a great last name, Parr, right? Grant Parr, I mean, you know, there's that, the, the whole golfing analogy comes into play, right? Uh, are you playing below par, above par, you know, at par? I mean, there's just, uh, you know, you, that's just a nice, that's a nice, memorable name. You know, it's, it's interesting because I've had so many people ask me, like, hey, do you play golf or do you work with golfers? And, and it was really interesting as a kid because more of my, my fascination and my love for, for sports was more towards football. But uh, I always ask my dad, like, Dad, why didn't you put me in golf when I was young? Like, how awesome would it be if, if uh, you know, a marketing brand scheme, a campaign of par going for par, and like he, he looks at me and he goes, do you know how expensive it is to play that game? And plus put your brother through it too. So, uh, so yeah. But you know what writers did when I played football, because I played for many years, they, they had fun with my last name when they uh, would put it in a title. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, Dad was right. I mean, golfing is not an inexpensive sport, right? I mean, it is. Uh, right. right. Yeah. It's yeah. Not cheap. You know, the, the reality of life, uh, you know, where the economics uh, hits hits face to face with the uh, would call it with what you want to do for your kids. So we've all we've all <laughs> many of us, I should say, been there, done that. All right. So let me ask you this: um, Here you are. You've been doing uh, uh, performance training, for lack of better terms, for uh, in sales training for uh, you know for seventeen plus years. What was the uh, what was the catalyst for you to write this book? You know, there was many factors, but when you think about the whole next one up mindset, that it just that whole concept fascinates me, and it, and it fascinates me because as an athlete, I wrote it from an athlete's perspective, a coach's perspective, and a corporate athlete, so the workplace perspective, and. I just saw throughout my life, uh, even when I was playing sports, even when I was coaching, and when I was in the, the corporate workplace, workplace, I saw so many people doing the wrong things as far as getting their mind right for the moment. I saw so many people just uh, hoping that things would work out right. And you know, as you read more in my book and even in my teachings when I'm working with, with athletes, coaches, and teams, I don't like the word hope. I don't like – the word hope to me, it is, there is no strategy behind that word. But words like hope, I think, I might, or what if, they don't move the needle. They stop us. And so, you know, and don't get me wrong, the word hope, I, I, I love it and I embrace it only if I'm not competing. So if, I, if I'm talking to someone that doesn't, you know, is down on their luck, they don't have food, they don't have clothing or shelter, I want you to source all the hope in the world. But when we're talking about competing and getting ready for that moment, I want us to know. So I want us to – and so language is a huge part of it. But to answer your question, you know, the motivation was just uh, I saw so many people not get prepared. But then I've also yeah. seen some really incredible people in the workplace and in athletics that di did the right thing and just changed their life and changed their career. Yeah, absolutely. You know – uh, it is uh, all about the mental. It's uh, the older I get, the realize uh, the more I realize that it is all 
that individual's mental thoughts, his visions, whatever. I, I'm fortunate to, uh, uh, the last few years, uh, I've been doing some work for uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and specifically for his after school all stars charity. And here's a gentleman that I think is a, at least, if not the poster child for, for mental, uh, we call it mental performance or uh, the importance of mental, uh, uh, what's where I'm looking for a mental uh, toughness. Here's a guy who comes to this country, barely speaks English, uh, becomes a, an athlete in a very obscure sport. Uh, I should say becomes a champion in a very obscure sport. Uh, then, you know, he has a, a dream to uh, make it in business. He does that via real estate. He has a vision to become an actor, not only an actor, but he wants to be uh, the top actor. Uh, he achieves that uh, top paying actor. Um, and, and, you know, people told him it would never work. His name is too big. His accent is too strong. And, and then, of course, he's going to become governor. And he was told, no, you know, that he shouldn't start at the governor's level. He should start someplace else that, you know, uh, now is not the time to do it. And I'm in awe of people like him. I think Elon Musk is somewhere along that same line where he has these crazy, ridiculous goals, but they also have the crazy, ridiculous belief that makes it happen. And that is everything. This whole mental thing is everything, right? A hundred percent. It's 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 what I call it's an inside out game. Uh, you know, we see what we want all the time, but if we really want to achieve what we want, it, it comes from the inside. And so that's why it's really important for us to, to really know how to align our thoughts and our emotions together in the moment. And, and, it, and it takes some time. It's not an easy thing to do. It's, easy, it's an easy thing to say, but you need to do some training. You need to spend a lot of time with yourself. So when something happens to you, you're prepared for it or – if you know what your goals look like, what your journey is going to look like, you know the game you're going to play, you've got to take care of the mind and body, and you need to learn how to connect them together. And, and I think Arnold's a great example because I think he played a big game with his whole career, and he showed up. He was vulnerable. He was intentional. And I, I, I think he stayed in his lane the whole way and didn't care about what people said. I'm sure he did at some, at some point because he's human, but I think right. he honored his process and honored his, his routine. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, again, we're talking with Grant Parr, author of the best-selling book, The Next One Up Mindset, How to Prepare for the Unknown. And I think this is the thing, this is very important. It freaks a lot of people out about the unknown. Uh, real quick, and then I want to move on, the, the title, The Next One Up Mindset. Explain the title a little bit. Well, you know, to be honest with you, Throughout my career in athletics and also in the workplace, I've, I've always heard the title Next Man Up. Uh, I've heard that a lot. And, sure. And as I was writing this book, to be honest with you, I, I believe it's hard to write a book for everyone, but I kind of feel like I achieved that. And, and when I was doing that, I really wanted to address all levels of athletics, all levels in the workplace, and all genders. And I felt like 
as I was coming up with the name, the next man up, it didn't feel right if I really wanted to achieve my, my ultimate goal is to reach everyone. So I felt like if I would have kept the next man up, I'd be excluding half the population. Sure. And, and, if, you, and if you read my book, you'll, you'll know there's a nice balance of subjects that I use between male and female. Even when you look at all my testimonials, there's a nice balance from male to female. So just to add into that, I, I, I started with the next man up, but I changed it with the next one up. And, and so that's just kind of where I was coming from on that. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. All right. So I want to, I want to do a, a dive on this, a, a deep dive on this, because again, the book is called the next one up mindset, how to prepare for the unknown. And how to prepare for the unknown, or, or the unknown, I should say, is what freaks a lot of people out. Um, so let's get started with that. How does someone turn a crisis into an opportunity? Let, let's start with that one. Absolutely. You know, the, the basis of my book, the basis of my training or mental skills training that I believe, it all starts with your breath. So when we are faced with a crisis or adversity, we have to learn how to get into our breath. Once we get our breath, I always say when we have our breath, we have our mind. and we have our mind, we have our body. And so it goes in, in that sequence. Now, the next thing that I would, I would say is that we have to look and invite, uh, embrace the opportunity in, in, in a crisis. I, I believe that every time there is a crisis, there's something good that can come out of it. We just have to be willing to look at it in a different angle or put on a different lens. And so typically when we get to that point – we have to ask ourselves what's important now. And I, and I talk about the book. It's called The Win Mindset, What's Important Now. So when you get into your breath and you ask yourself what's important now, you're in complete control. You just actually pushed away all the uncontrollables and put yourself in control. And then there's a process that I call BVT, breathe, visualize, and talk, self-talk. So I think once we can get into, in a position to welcome adversity, because this is how we grow. This is how we learn how to be better, right, to, right. to embrace these, these, uh, these crises. So, you know, what's interesting, uh, I think that uh, – and, and you hear people talking about we need to remake the education system, you know, that our kids are, 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 are being shoved in this – system that's, you know, whatever it is, 50, 100 years old. And one of the things that I constantly talk about is one of the skills that we need to teach our kids, you can toss out algebra. Uh, I right. say that because I, I struggled so much with algebra. But, you know, you, there, there are certain subject matters that you can toss out. But bottom line is mental toughness, doing hard things, believing in yourself, the, this is a skill set that needs to be incorporated in our kids. Uh, you know, I remember so much in my algebra class, uh, teachers talking about, you know, uh, figuring out, you know, uh, for example, one of the, I, I just remember this example. So to me, it was kind of ridiculous. It, you know, let's say you have a vending machine and you want to figure out how many nickels versus quarters versus dimes you have, then that's, you know, algebra might, would, would help you with that. And I'm thinking, who would give a crap? I mean, just, you know, you just want to convert it into dollars. But, you know, my point being is, uh, yes, we need to teach our kids basic math, 
we're all going to use that. But I think money management might be a better thing to uh, instill our children. So I, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but this mental toughness, this idea of believing in yourself, if our kids left high school with a significantly better self-esteem as they went into college or into trade school or into the workplace, America would be better, quicker, faster. The fact that somebody might have gotten straight A's in geometry or algebra or English or art, but they have no self-belief, that to me is a, a child or a human being in jeopardy. Yep. Yep. I, I agree, and, and I wish, and that's why I'm so passionate about this work at all levels, but especially at the youth level in high school, that what I'm teaching and what I speak in my book, this is more than just having these skills to be a great performer. These are life skills. Right. And, and once we, you know, I wish when I was a kid that we had, you know, a mindfulness practice, which is, is very prevalent now you know, through the youth system in, in high schools, but I wish I had that. And I wish someone taught me how to, to be more intentional and, and connect my breath with my intention and, and how to actually have a gratitude practice. Like, what is gratitude? I had no clue what gratitude was when I was young. So I think if, if, we're, if we're getting the youth at a young age and getting them really connected with mental performance, it is going to help them in life. It's going to help them with better decision-making. It's going to help them dealing with hard conversations, the interview process, all, all sorts of, of things out there. But, so that's why I, I, I love where I'm at, and I love that society, is, I believe, is catching on to mental toughness and being gritty and resilient. Uh, I think we still have a long way to go, but I think we're heading in the right direction. And I agree with you. You know, the, the challenge is, is at one point, mental toughness, the way it was taught, at least in my generation, was uh, shut up and work hard. You know, yeah. oh, dad, uh, you know, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling that, you know, shut up, work hard. Right. You know, yeah. and, and, and even though that may not be, you know, work for everybody, <laughs> you know, some of that is still good, right? I mean, sometimes we just have to shut up and get to work. We just have to work harder. People don't like to hear that. And, and I want to back up a, a real quick, and I wanted to write down what you have for when. W what is it? It's what's in. What's important now. What's important now. I like that. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so I just wanted to jot that down. I love that. Uh, I love that acronym. Yeah. So, so I think that we got away from that toughness that built America, you know, back again in the great generation. Uh, and and we've come we've come the, the pendulum has swung all the way to where now all our kids have to do is fart and they get a trophy. And right. you know what I'm saying? And, and so we yep. need to kind of bring it back. We don't need to have the extreme that we have. We just have to find that middle ground where back to what you were saying, teaching our young people uh, about uh, mental toughness, about mindfulness, about uh, being grateful, you know, teenagers inherently uh, become ungrateful. There's that period, uh, that that ugly teenage period. And I've, I've had five kids. My wife and I, we've seen it with all our kids to one degree or the other, where there's a couple of years where 
you you fully understand why some animals eat their young because right. you know they're just terrible human beings they they think they know everything they're ungrateful for everything and then of course once they get a taste of reality they go to school uh, they, they move it, they they start paying for their own stuff they start they having to budget their money they become humble and they realize you know mom and dad didn't suck as bad as I thought they did. They actually had some good ideas. And, and, uh, and I think, you know, gratitude does that. Uh, there's a certain, um, what do you call it? Humility that takes place in order for you to be grateful for the things you have. A hundred percent. And I think in this day and age with our teenagers and, and millennials, if you will, um, but more at the high school level, it's hard for these kids to actually to be grateful because we live in an instant society. Everything is so fast. Yes. So sometimes yes. when everything is going so fast and you get it, it's really hard to be grateful for. I agree. And I think, I think uh, I've kind of come to a conclusion that social media – is one of the devil's favorite favorite tricks because you know it has hurt more teenagers and helped them uh it's it's a digital version of crack and again i i'm going to put pause on that because i i know we have a limited amount of time and i want to get to some of these other questions yeah um i want to talk you know kind of on that same line of uh, turning a crisis into an opportunity i also want to ask you this with your experience, what are the key steps in handling adversity in the workplace or, or dealing with difficulties? Uh, talk, talk about that. Well, you know, I think when you, when you think about the workplace, there are so many different uh, dynamics that exist. So it, it all depends on, on the adversity or the crisis that you have to deal with. And, and I think, you know, there is a process that I do talk about in my book, but I think what's relevant is that there's a story in the workplace that I talk about that I think is, it's, it's real. It happens a lot. And, and, and I'll give you the short version of it, but when I worked for a company called Wesco Distribution, it was an $8 billion company, and I sold data center products to, to all the major data centers out there like LinkedIn and Microsoft and Facebook, and I had a really – awesome job for seven years and I built this territory to like $20 million from zero in seven years. Well, I ended up actually, as I left, I actually transitioned to my, my territory to a woman who was, was very skilled and she was awesome at what she did. But what happened the last day that I left and transitioned my whole territory to her, 10 days later, she got sick and she ended up getting the rare flu and so the day that she felt sick, she put herself in the hospital, and then within hours she went into a coma. And then wow. five days, six days later, she, her organs started to, to fail, and she started getting gangrene. And then another, I don't know, another six, ten days later, she passed. And so what was interesting is her brother-in-law, who had 17 years of experience within our industry, his name is Tony Peel, incredible dude, love this guy, but he'd only been with our company for six months. So as you can imagine, he was still learning the customers. He was learning our procedures, our back office, our culture. He was just still learning, even though 
he knew what he was doing, but he just had a lot of learning to do. Well, when his sister-in-law passed, not only did he have to take my territory, her territory, the company was like, listen, we want, we respect you, and they handled it really well, but the respect you, we want you to mourn, and, and we feel the loss, but we still need to run the business. So at that moment, he, like, he calls me up and goes, Grant, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I just lost somebody, and my wife just lost her sister. And I said, well, you know what? You got two options. You can literally tell the company, like, you could be a human and say, I don't know if I can handle this right now. I need to go more. I need to take care of this, take care of my family and myself, or you can see the opportunity in this crisis. Do you realize if you step up and show the grit in you and the mental toughness in you and the resiliency of you, do you know how many people are going to rally around you, people that are in the inside sales team, outside sales team, the executives? They are going to see someone who can deal with, with adversity. I go, so there's an opportunity here if you're willing to make that choice. So I even tell them, I said, focus is a choice, confidence is an action, and greatness is a decision. You, you have the ability to commit to that if you want to. So he, like, he took about a day or so. I thought about it, called me back, and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my feet in. I'm going to get after it. I know there's going to be some hard days, but I'm going to get after it. Well, a year later, year and a half later, he's the top salesperson in the, in the um, branch. I think he's one of the top salespeople in the region. So he stepped up to the opportunity and met that crisis with the opportunity. Yeah. And I love this idea. Uh, focus. What did you say? Focus is a decision. Focus is a choice. Confidence is an action. And greatness is a decision. Yeah, absolutely. Uh there, you know, it, it, it's just part of life. Look, uh, I, I have a, a, a client of mine who his whole life turned upside down. He's got two aging parents, and, and, and so he is focused on taking care of them, which is, you know, he's, he's an only child. So, you know, he's doing, he's doing the, the, what's right and taking care of his parents. And unfortunately, he uses them as an excuse for why he can't do this and why he can't do that. And he's got to, you know, and his business is dying, you know, but I would have, could have, should have, if, you know, but I have to take care of my parents. You know, and I said to him, there are people out there who are in your exact same shoes and use their parents as motivation Versus an excuse. Right. Yeah. We all have that choice. Yep. I mean, sometimes life sucks and you get not just lemons, but bitter, bitter, nasty lemons. (laughs) You know, and and there's just not a whole lot you can do other than decide to use it as a motivation or as an excuse, right? Right. Absolutely. And, you know, another reason why I did write the book is because my own adversity that I dealt with, it took me two decades to actually to, to get to a point how to deal with my adversity and see the opportunity in the crisis. And that was, you know, it was a career-ending injury from football in college. 
But that was mm. one of the reasons why I wrote the book is that I'd, I want to give you the tools and give you all the stories so you can actually make a decision in the moment and not wait two decades to figure it out. Yes. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm so glad that you mentioned story uh, because as a people, and I don't care whether you listen to audiobooks, whether you read physical books, ebooks, combination of the three, even even the stuff that we research online, the thing that teaches us, motivates us, and inspires us are the stories. You know, it, 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 it's incredible to me the power of story or storytelling. We, you know, I don't care how sophisticated we become. I don't believe that will ever change because if you see somebody like a Elon Musk and all you know is that he's invented a few things, has, has had uh, several successful companies, and he's a, you know, whatever he is, a gazillionaire, that's not bad. But when you dig deep and you find out his stories, his struggles, that's where you go, wow, maybe I can do it too. I might have a chance because I relate to this story. A hundred percent. And I think not only about story, I think as humans, we're so connected in hearing a, a good story, but yes. we want to hear, we, I think we gravitate to comeback stories. So when you think about people that have been down on their luck or there's a huge deficit in a game uh, and, and they're just, they do something that, that mental fortitude that grit, mental toughness, right? How they actually yes. come back. And I think that's where you think about the crisis, the opportunity. If there's a crisis, man, there's an opportunity for a comeback story, and people want to plug into it. Why do you think people plugged into to Tiger Woods a couple months ago? Like, yes. they, they've been wanting this comeback story. So I think you're right, man. Stories are, are important to us. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you, when you think of uh, – some of the best movies out there. Most of them are comeback stories. I mean, the Avengers series, the whole Marvel series, a lot of those are comeback stories. And some oh, yeah. of those stories uh, have comeback stories within them, right? When they, when you look at the origin stories of certain, of certain, uh, of some of these superheroes, they're all comeback stories, right? Um, yep. You know, one of my favorite, um, and it's, it's, this dates me a little bit, but one of my favorite stories, um, I believe, oh man, I, I believe I, I believe her name was Scroggins. I cannot believe I'm blanking on this, but she was an Olympic gymnast, and the U.S. team is competing against the Russian team. The Russians had won the gymnastic gold medal, you know, for like a gazillion years. And Scroggins goes up there, does her routine, but she lands and either she breaks her ankle or twists it pretty severely. And everybody understands that, that uh, the chances of the U.S. team winning without this person is like non-existent and with her broken or uh what do you call it hurt ankle 
she got up there, did her routine, and because her mental fortitude, her mental toughness, her ability to take the pain for those few additional minutes got the U.S. their first gold medal in, just, in gymnastics, and I think in about 10 or 15 years. Yeah. And I look at that story, I'm wondering, man, could I do that? Could I have that level of fortitude, commitment? And, you know, and, and I don't know, I, I, I like to think that I would, uh, but, uh, you know, th- that's what we all inspire to do or aspire to do because of these stories. Right. Exactly. So let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Uh, since we're talking about athletes, and, and uh, where do you see athletes or people, let's say, in the corporate world, fall short with, let's say, emotional control or mindset when the pressure is on or their number is called? Man, you know, I think there's a, a lot of different ways to answer that. Um, to be honest with you, what, I, what I've seen a lot in, in my corporate experience is people go to work and they haven't even set their intention. They just kind of show up and kind of hope everything kind of works, right? Because there, there right. are constants in our life. We wake up, we take a shower, we get on some form of transportation, we get to work. But there's so many – outside of those constants, there's so many unknowns. So I, I feel that personally, I feel people don't set their intention. They don't revisit their intention, right, and they don't get into their breath. I, I see so many people not having a relationship with their breath, and I've seen it so many times in the corporate place where just in a, in a little scenario where you're sitting in your, your office and your boss comes up out of nowhere and says, hey, the area VP is here today, unexpected. And would like to talk to you. I there is more often than not, I see people freak out. Oh my, why do they want to talk to me? Uh, my right. numbers down. Uh, you know what? They start freaking out. Where get into your breath and 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 be be happy. Like I get to speak to the AVP, and if they ask me hard questions, that's okay because I'm mentally prepared. I have my breath. I've already seen myself. You know, perform. I've already. I'm talking myself with positive affirmations into the direction where I'm going. So I, I don't see a lot of that where people are connecting their breath with their intention, really honing in on their breath and their visualization and their self-talk. Well, and I think uh, – first of all, I agree with you, but I think that the issue is if you were to bring that up in the corporate world, people are going to look at you kind of weird. Now, in, in the athletic world, breath, visualization <coughs> excuse me, is a must. But for some reason, people see that as two different worlds. Oh, that's the way that things are done in the athletic world. But here in the corporate world, we're all about numbers, right? We're all about right. control and things like breath and emotional intelligence. That's just woo-woo stuff. <laughs> what do you say to that? I say this. I say, listen, every day, whether if you're in the workplace or if you're in an athletic environment, or you're a doctor, a CEO, I don't care if you're a house mom, you are performing a duty. We perform. That word perform. So when yeah. we perform, we have to deal with what? Our emotions and our thoughts. So if, if, if you want to be transformational instead of being transactional, you'll want to adopt this. you want to adopt this, this approach of increasing your mental performance. It, I, I see it all the time. I call it 
conquering the emotional hurricane. That's mental toughness to me. When you're sitting in the middle of it, whatever that it is, right, we all know what happens in the middle of a hurricane. The eye of the hurricane is calm. That's what we're striving for in any situation in our lives is to conquer that emotional hurricane that exists inside of us and outside of us. And I see the emotional hurricane happen a lot in the workplace, and I, and I don't see people really sitting in the middle of it and owning it with their breath. Yeah, I, I love this idea of breath. Um, and I think that uh, people listening who aren't familiar with this idea of breath might sound weird to them, but it, it's, a, it's, it's an extraordinary thing. When you take a couple of minutes and you get into your breath and you change your focus by, by visualizing what it is that you want to create or what you want to see, it's it's a world of difference, and I want to say that of all the people I've interviewed, and I've been interviewing people for going on eight years, you're the first person who's ever brought up the idea of breath in the corporate world. Tons of people who thought mm-hmm. who brought up the idea of breath and, and all that other stuff, and you know, and like in, in your visualization and in, in your, you know, what do you call it, in your prep time and this and that, but to make it to include it in the corporate world, first of all, it's the first time I've heard it. Second of all, I think it's an idea that has is been is long overdue. But again, kind of like we have to revamp the education system, we kind of have to revamp the corporate system a little bit to be able to make that part of an everyday thing in the corporate world, right? I, I agree with you. And you know, and it's so funny because whether if it's in the corporate world or if it's in athletics, you know, there's a concept that I call bending, which is a concept that I got from Bruce Lee. And I, more often than not, because we don't have control of our breath, we don't have control of our thoughts and our emotions, what happens in a stressful situation, we break. And the goal is to bend with it. And so how do we bend with the situation in the, in the workplace or in athletics? We breathe into it. And we have to trust ourselves our breath is going to get us through the situation. It's going to allow us to sit in the middle of that hurricane. So let's, let's bend with the situation and not let it break us. And so I think there's, a, there's an opportunity from, from a transformation standpoint, not only in the educational system, but also in the workplace for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like this idea of being transactional, or transformational, yep. right? I mean, and I think when you're out of your breath, when you're out of, you know, when you're out of your control, for lack of better terms, you become transactional. But when you take a few minutes to get into your breath, to visualize, then you become definitely more transformational. You have the opportunity, you know, to bend with it or to change the situation uh, from a, uh, we call it a, a, an excuse to a motivation. All right, so let's talk about this. How does someone learn how to get out of their own way in the pursuit of getting prepared for high stakes competition or, uh, you know, competing for a promotion at, at the corporate uh, level? Talk about this. Well, I think there's, there's, there's a few ways again, but uh, what, I would, uh, what I would suggest is, Language is huge, and I think because we, we experience about 70,000 thoughts a day, you know, six to seven core emotions up to 27 emotions a day, there's a lot of traffic. So 
and that's what gets in our way is, is our thoughts, and, and they, our thoughts influence our behaviors. So what I would tell people is that stop listening to your thoughts and start talking to them. So when we talk about affirmations, self-talk, or powerful, positive self-talk, we have to start teaching ourselves to say things like, I can, whatever, I will, whatever. Like, instead of like, being in the effect of these negative thoughts, when we start talking to them, then we're putting ourselves in a situation of control. Yes, yes. Uh, did you by chance watch this? Uh, there's an animated Spider-Man cartoon that came out. I think it came out this year. Did you by chance watch this? I did not, know. I didn't either. Uh, but my teenage daughter turned me on to this song, um, and it's the theme song from, from the movie, uh, the Spider-Verse movie, whatever it was called. And the main theme song is called What's Up, Danger? And it's kind of a, a call to action uh you know it's 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 how you respond to risk or danger and the whole premise of the song is you know uh when danger calls i'm going to answer the phone like what's up danger and right. it, it's a great theme song it's a, <laughs> you know it, it's right. just uh, it's just an awesome thing um you know and so one of my favorite uh one of my favorite, uh, I guess, lyrics or, or uh, phrases in the song is because uh, I like high chances that I might lose, and um, and most of us don't like that, right? We 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 fear risk, we fear change, we fear the unknown, and uh, uh, and, and so this is just uh, as I was telling my family, this is this is kind of our uh, this needs to be our theme song. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, because again, we have to reignite our belief that we can do hard things, that we can overcome the unknown because chances are that even if it's unknown, something that's a complete surprise to you, you either, You'll, you know, you'll figure out how to deal with it. So again, just relax, get into your breath, <laughs> or you'll have somebody that you can get help from. Hey, Grant, here's what's going on. A any suggestions, any ideas? You know, there, there's, there's, uh, there's, there's that side. And I think some of, sometimes we as, as a people forget that we have done hard things, that we have overcome the unknown, that we, you know, that we can push ourselves when we have a, you know, a broken ankle, so to speak. Uh, and, and the other thing I, that, that I find interesting, Grant, is, you know, we have Spartan Race, we have Tough Mudder, we have all these, um, what do you call it, uh, obstacle races that challenge people to get out of their comfort zone and get out there and, and just finish the, you know, just finish it. doesn't matter whether you're first or last, but you, you know, you just got to get out there and finish it. And, and I think that yeah. a lot of people get excited by this because we have lost the, the ability or 
that we've lost the taste to challenge ourselves. And this, I think, is why some of these these obstacle courses have blown up, and, and they're just like everybody's doing them now. And it's, I, I think that's one of the reasons that we want to challenge ourselves, but we, we, we've lost the the way of how to challenge ourselves or, or, you know, something like that. Anyway, just kind of my thought on that. Yeah, you know, I think there's also another another topic to talk about is, is fear, you know, fear of failure. Yeah. And, and and how we deal with failures. And it's just when, when you think about fear itself, right, it's, it's in the future. It's abstract. And when I talk about future or fear with, with, with anyone, I, I always ask them, like, show me what fear looks like. And it's funny because they like, they'll like make a weird face. I'm like, is that what, is that what fear looks like? No, it's fear to you because the fear that exists is created by you. So there's a beautiful acronym for fear and it's false evidence appearing real fear. So when we start realizing like, wow, this is, it's false evidence. Like I I know it's, it's scary to deal with some of the fear that we have to deal with and the fear of failure but man, when, we're, when we embrace pressure, when we get excited to be pushed, we lean into our fear. The more that you, the faster you lean into your fear and, and attack it, the faster it goes away because you've created it. So I think that there's there's an opportunity just for society to have a different relationship with fear. And also, when we do fail, failure is informative. We just got to plug into the feedback plug of, of failure instead of the emotional side of it. How do we get feedback from failure? Once we do that, the, the fear of failing and the emotion of failure, it goes away quicker if we just focus on the feedback piece of it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I like what you say about that failure is informative, right? Yeah. Failure is informative if we decide to uh, look at it. And what's interesting to me is so is success. Success is informative. The, ch- the challenge, though, is when we're on top of the world, when we're, when we're winning, we don't stop to say, why am I winning? How am I winning? How can I replicate this? But when we right. lose, some of us do stop to say, wow, how can I avoid this? What did I do different? What can I, you know, whatever. So I think either way, uh, you, can, you can be informed and you can be better. Uh, again, as we said in the beginning of the show, it's a, it's a decision. It's a choice. Um, and, uh, I, I just want to quickly give out your book one more time. I'm going to put a link in the notes here. Um, the book is called, uh, the next one up mindset, how to prepare for the unknown. The author Grant Parr, the book is available at Amazon, or you can go to gameperformance.com gameperformance.com and I'll put a link in the show notes as well ladies and gentlemen so you can go there Grant I want to say thank you so much for stopping by it's been a blast looking forward to having you back again my friend this is great I really appreciate it all righty good stuff there from best-selling author Grant Parr performance mental sports coach and covered a lot of great stuff hope that you guys will uh, apply some of these things that we discussed that Grant brought up Please share this episode with everyone you know. Let's help as many people deal with the unknown, tap into their breath, and kind of increase their self-belief. As always, my friends, remember, you were created to succeed. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch. And check out our website 
at moneyforlunch.com.